The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. And now, on with the show. Yes, yes, y'all! From the brand new Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tupper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching us live. Actually, no, you're not watching us live. You can't watch us live. Normally, you can watch us live on Facebook or on texasfootball.com every weekday at noon, but we are still putting together the finishing touches on the brand new studio, and we, we, we don't want to ruin the surprise. So... Uh, you can only listen to us on the podcast vendor of your choice, which is what you're doing right now if you're hearing my voice, in which case I thank you for spending part of your day with us. I am sitting here, sitting over there, celebrating his 69th birthday, making us sound good as Rick Springfield. Happy birthday, Rick. Today is Thursday, August 23rd, 2018, 91 days until Thanksgiving, episode 607, 607, the number of hits for Pete Incavelia in his illustrious Texas Rangers career. The guests around the table are all looking at me like, why is he saying all these things? And uh, so now I'll introduce the guests. So, so this is going to be a different kind of show. Normally we would uh, come on here and talk about nonsense, but instead we're going to talk about things that matter. We're going to talk about football. It is our inaugural Texas Football Today Officials Roundtable. And sitting around the table, as one would in a roundtable, are four officials for Texas high school football and Texas sports in general. Sitting to my right, the Assistant Executive Director of the Texas Association of Sports Officials, TASSO, as we'll refer to it from here on out. It's Bill Theodore. Hello, Bill. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for making a little bit of time. Thank you for having us. Sitting to my left, the President of the Dallas Chapter of TASSO, it's Joel Williams. Hello, Joel. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good. I like your Cowboys polo. Yeah. It, radio is theater of the mind, so I have to set, right. the, uh, set the... Trying to represent. That's fine. Uh, sitting also to my left, the president of the Fort Worth chapter of TASSO, it's Rod McLean. Hello, Rod. Hello, hello. How well, are things in beautiful Fort Worth, Texas? Beautiful Fort Worth is awesome and, and very nice. However, for your readers painting the picture, this is actually an oval table, not a round table, just to <laughs> let you know that. So we have three guests because Rod has to go. <laughs> um, and sitting to my right, an official with the Fort Worth chapter for... Less than five years, but uh, we'll get into her story in a moment. It is Lachelle Nelson. Hello, Lachelle. Hello. And I understand that you are a Texas, I'm sorry, that's not true, a Southwest Texas State go. Bobcat. Absolutely. You ran track there. Yes, I did. Okay. From the, um, 98 to 02. Finally an athlete in our midst. <laughs> um, okay. So we are here to talk about being an official, uh, here to talk about what goes into your job? Because you guys are obviously such an integral part of, of the game that we all enjoy. The game could, literally could not happen without you guys. So I kind of want to start by going around the table. And, and, and Lachelle, ladies first, I'll start with you. I want to know how you got into officiating, how you, how you started on this, uh, on this path. Because I think there's a lot of people who, who look around and say, I, I don't even know how to get started. Um, it's a long story, but I'm going to make it really short and sweet. Um, being an athlete, graduating from being a collegiate athlete, graduated from college, I came home. I did not want to stop sports, so I played flag football. Mm-hmm. And me knowing the basics of the rules for my dad, um, a gentleman by the name of Tim Davis said, young lady, you're very good with your words. Why don't you come and officiate? I was 25. I said, not a chance, not happening. Mm-hmm. Literally 10 years later, which I am telling my age, I 
didn't want to be in work. My my work wasn't like challenging, and I just needed something for me. Mm-hmm. And um, what was it? The de- not development, but the replacement officials in the NFL were on the screen, and I saw a young lady, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lady in the NFL. And I said, I want to I want to officiate. And so going back to the same gentleman, Tim Davis, I literally told him I'm ready, and it took off from there. Okay, Bill. You're now like Grand Poopa. I am Grand Poopa. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I was out mowing the grass whenever I was a lot younger than I am now. And my next door neighbor, who officiated high school football, said, "Have I got a thing for you?" And not knowing what he was talking about, and so I rode with him to a meeting back in 1985, and here, 34 years later, you just can't quit it. There are days. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there are days where I want to quit this job. There so are days. I can understand. All right, Rod, what about you? Well, from uh, my barber. I got into it from my barber. <laughs> Gene Hartman. Gene Hartman. And uh, he gave me my first haircut, and uh, he gave me my last one about three weeks ago, <laughs> believe it or not. He's still, he's still there. But, you know, growing up, I mean, I, I knew him as a kid. My dad, my grandpa, my uncle's aunt, so all went to him. And, you know, he, he, I knew that he did it, that he officiated, and I always thought that was really cool. And uh, when I got up, got home and came back from college and uh, started talking to him, and, and he's the one that really kind of got me hooked up. And uh, just, just knowing and hearing his stories and, and all the things that he did, I thought, you know, I love the game. I always still want to be involved in it, and it was a, it was a great thing. That's it's it's I'm, I'm sensing a trend of, of different paths to the same place. Joel, do you have a story for us? Similar story. A friend of mine worked for a uh, guy that was um, an official in the Lone Star Conference, mm-hmm. and he was just talking about it. And I said, that sounds interesting. So I, he put me in contact with him, started talking to him, and the rest is history. And so now you've been you just can't quit officiating. It gets in your blood. And and so you guys, I guess that's one thing that, that is, is a good place to start. Like, you you guys don't have to do this. Like, this is not, no, there's there's nobody who's who's pushing you out there to do this. What is it that you get from it? Anybody can answer this to, to start. What is it that you get from it that keeps you coming back and keeps you involved in, 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 in this profession? I, I think there's... There are a lot of things, uh, for one. The, the involvement in the game and, and those kinds of things are great. But, you know, the, a big part of it are those guys that, that you do it with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of what you'll find, a lot of officials, probably their best friends, they met through this and doing that. So, so that part of it is a, is a really big part. Uh, it is for me. It's like, it's like a big fraternity, mm-hmm. basically. And sorority. And sorority. And sorority. It's, <laughs> it's the camaraderie. There is not, I think for any of us sitting at this table, I know for me, there is not a place in this state that I can't go to. And if I broke down, I had a flat, somebody stole my wallet, whatever, that I could not pick up the phone and call one of these brethren that do what we do and would be there in a minute. And a lot of people in professions, they can't say that. I mean, you you build up friendships that, for me, have, you know, 30, 35 years of people that, oh, you're back again this year? Well, yeah, so are you. You know, I mean, it's just, you can't, just until you do it, you really can't describe it. Uh, Lachelle, 
you you mentioned that seeing uh, a woman out there on the NFL do it kind of inspired you to, to get involved. Do you do you feel like there is still kind of an uphill battle to be faced for people for 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 young women thinking that this is not an avenue available to them? Um, no, I wouldn't say that yeah. because. But let's be clear, it's not an easy task. Sure. I mean, if you have to have thick skin and you have to realize, like. Um, he said, you're entering in a male fraternity. Mm-hmm. So you have to come in there with a little humble pie and learn something, you know, a little bit. But no, it's, I don't think it is at all. Okay. So you think that that's improving in, oh, in, in a way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's more out there than you think. I mean, I, I know that, you know, I watch a lot of high school football. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, I, see a, I see a lot of, of, of female officials out there. And, and I think that that's, that's I think that, and, and, and Bill, I'm really interested in, in your point of view, that have you seen that in, in your time with Tasso in your time? Have you seen the, the, the number of female officials increase as well? It, it, grow, it grows every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're seeing it a lot more in the rural areas, the smaller chapters than you are in the, in the bigger locations. Um, it's, you know, their, their boyfriends are doing it or their husbands are doing it or their brothers, dads or whatever are doing it. Um, and it's like, hey, I want to go do that. I want to be a part of that. And it's a it's a learning curve because, you know, for the longest time it has been a male-oriented mm-hmm. avocation. Um, you have, you know, times have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, being an official, we have to adapt. Mm-hmm. And, and we need them. We want them to be out there. Um, what she was talking about in 2012, seeing the the female replacement i was a part of that group Mm -hmm. and i sat right next to that female at the meetings in dallas Mm -hmm. as things were going on and you know i leaned over and asked her i said do you have any idea what about what is about to happen what you're getting into and she was from arizona and she said yeah and i said are you ready for it and she said this is going to be like a ride that i'll never ever get to take why Mm -hmm. wouldn't i be Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a good thing. So I want to. I think there's a lot of people who they show up to the game on Friday night as a spectator, and or as a coach, or as, or as any anybody with a role in in, in the game, um, and the officials are just there. You know what I mean? Like they are, and 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 I know that you know I've I've spoken with with some of you guys that the whole goal is that you don't want to be noticed. You you hope that the game goes off and nobody and nobody ever remembers that you guys are there. Uh, and so um, and so Joel, I'm I'm interested. Could you take me through what a Friday night is like for you guys, and and what you know the the process of of you guys you know going through what what happens on, for a typical Texas high school football game? Well. My crew, we like to get to the game about two hours before kickoff. That usually entails an hour of travel. So I'll usually leave my office in between 4 and 4.30. Bags already packed. Uh, head to the stadium, get there at 5.30, kind of just relax for a little while. Then we uh, start talking about the, the contest for the night. Anything that strange happened the week before, uh, we go out and meet the coaches at 6.30 for a 7.30 kick. And... Uh, Walk the field, look at the, talk to the players, look at their equipment. Uh, kick off, game's usually over 10 to 10.15. Take a shower, maybe go get something to eat and get home about 1 o'clock. So, you know, there's a, what, seven- or eight-hour commitment mm-hmm. right there. Um, and, and, Rod, 
I think a lot of people, the first time they see officials will be out there you know, on the field talking with these coaches. What are those conversations like? I'm always interested in what those conversations are like. Before the game? Before the game. <laughs> Hopefully they're short and sweet. Remember, yeah. we're G-rated here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, those conversations are usually pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but really and truly, we're, we're just trying to, to get some basic information from them, right? So we want to, as, as a referee, I want to know, who their captains are going to be on the field, not the guys for the toss, but the guys on the field so that if we have something we need to address, we can talk to. Guys who can, you know, defenses, things are getting a little chippy, that he can talk to the team and calm them down, those kinds of things. Uh, so we want to know who those those folks are. Want to want to make sure we know that the kickoff is at 730. Uh, are we going to do the coin toss live? Or are we going to do it beforehand? Um, just some basics like that. We have some other things like like positive point tiebreakers, seeing how they, if they mm-hmm. use that or they don't, because that will affect uh, plays at the end of the game and what happens. So just basic information that we want from them. Uh, and, and really and truly, the, the, the less amount of time we can spend with them, the better, because uh, they, they've got a lot of things that they want to be doing before the game rather than talk to us. I think that's really interesting that you mentioned that, the captain's thing. Because I imagine that there is a, a you, you need you can't talk to the whole team at once. If as you mentioned, the, the defense is getting chippy, you you can't talk to the whole team and say calm down. So you guys will go and identify, try to identify one player that you can go up to the middle linebacker hypothetically and say, hey, listen, things are getting a little bit chippy. I need you to calm down your boys and stuff like that, or else we're going to have a problem. Oh, that's exactly what you yeah. do. I mean, I mean. There have been times where you get everybody's attention. You'll get the offense and the defense all into a a circle over the ball, and you'll have church. Mm-hmm. You just say, you know, look, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. Decide whether you want to be here on this field playing the game or you want to watch it from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And usually when you have one of those come-to-Jesus meetings out there, things just have a way of working out. Mm-hmm. There's always the exception to that where – You've got to make an example of somebody. And people think, you know, all oh, that ref threw him out of the game or whatever. We don't throw people out of the game. We have a rule, and by rule, you know, if they cross that line or, or whatever the act is that brings out the, the, the result of being disqualified, that's what it is. They've disqualified themselves on a targeting foul. The player disqualified himself. If he had a flagrant personal foul or he took a swing at somebody he disqualified himself we're just enforcing the rule mm-hmm. now and, and, and you brought up an interesting point that kind of leads into my next question <clears throat> is obviously you know I well correct me if I'm wrong you guys know better priority one is make sure these kids are safe right that's priority one two three four five absolutely um, how do you because we also you'll you'll I'm sure you've heard Hurled from the uh, from the stands. Oh, let him play, ref. Oh, let him play. How is it? Not this is for anybody. How do you balance the idea of it is a fast game, it is a violent game at times, with the idea that we do have to protect these kids in a way that 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 they know they they have been taught. Not taught. That's the wrong way to put it. But in the heat of the moment, they may not protect themselves. Or they may not be out there protecting others. How do you how do you strike that balance between I'll let them play ref and no, we need to make sure that these guys that these kids are safe. Well, you know, I preach you got to get all the safety fouls. 
Mm-hmm. That's just bottom line. And as far as letting them play, you know, you can say, okay, maybe you shouldn't have called holding on there. No one comes to see us throw flags. But then it's not fair if somebody does hold. It's mm-hmm. not fair to the to the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's, so there's, it, you're going to be wrong 50% of the time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the let them play, to mm-hmm. me, to what Joel said, doesn't really apply to the safety issues. Okay. I think a lot of times let them play means, you know, if it's a sweep to the right side and the tackle way over here on the left side of the field grabbed a little jersey, yeah, technically you can look at the book and say he was holding, but it had it, it was not – there was no effect on that play whatsoever. He was They were so far away and out of it. So that, to me, is let them, letting them play. And that's kind of the philosophy that that we use a lot of times too is what what is the effect and how does how is that affecting the play? And so that's where you might see mm-hmm. let them play. But the safety things, those are those are those are critical. That's hard and fast. Is that if there's a, if there's a, if there's something that could endanger a player or something, there's like that's that's not not going to fly in any in any statement. Whatsoever. We teach them in the clinics to err on the side of get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, but but with that comes the responsibility of I need to see it from start to finish. I don't need to throw on it because I thought that's what happened. I need to see it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to air on the side of caution, you know, if it's a clip, if it's a block below the waist when they're not supposed to do it, if they're leading with the helmet, I mean, you know, let them play or not, you've got to get that. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way they're going to learn that they can't do it. And it's not legal in any aspect of the game, from high school through college and into the NFL. If you look at the NFL now and the rule about lowering the helmet or leading with the helmet and, the, and what, the, the, what that's caused over the last couple of weeks of the preseason games, and now they're changing it to say something along the lines of if they inadvertently do it, maybe you kind of pass on it. Well, either you lead with the helmet or you don't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, we're talking with Bill Theodore, Joel Williams, Rod McLean, and Lachelle Nelson on our inaugural uh, officials roundtable here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag TF Today. Lachelle, I want to kind of bounce it back to you because you're kind of, um, I think Bill was using the, the, the term rising star, superstar. No. Uh, that's kind of what I've been hearing, um, but you are you, you have you've um, you are rising fast through the officials ranks. Uh, less than five years in, you're, you are you are uh, officiating for Conference USA. You're in the NFL developmental program. Can you take me through a little bit of since uh, you know since you are a relatively new official? Can you take me through the training process and and, and how much training goes into being an official uh, of your caliber? So much so that you're getting noticed by other places. Don't no don't don't scoff at that. <laughs> um, honestly. I'd have to say the training and going to camps. Mm-hmm. That's what got me out there. Being And the first thing they saw that, that I've heard about myself from other officials saying, I'm very fast, I'm athletic, I'm in my position very efficiently. Um, that's the main thing that, that I've been told of what they saw in me. And I'm coachable. Mm-hmm. I mean, being an athlete and coming into this, you have to be coachable. You have to take the criticism the feedback and you have to accept it and fix it and my motto to getting better is you tell me once and you never have to tell me again and I'm fixing it that's been my role that's always been my um, role on anything that I do because if I'm doing it wrong 99% of the time I didn't know Mm -hmm. so then I'm fixing it and that's how I approached it 
and you know doing it at camps um the first camp i went to was in baltimore um that's when i got hired from conference usa and you know that's what they were just telling me um but it's it's a situation where it's not like you guys are going to one three-hour class on a saturday oh no so the training is like so from for me with conference usa Mm -hmm. We have a call maybe like once a week. We go over quizzes, tests. Um, we have our clinic, which is like a three-day clinic right before the season and the end of July. We take our test. We also have our CFO test that we have to take. It's 100 questions. Um, you have to pass that in order to get postseason. Um, for the in, um, National Football League stuff, I um, we have training camp. Well, not training camps. We have a clinic in May, which is the new things that are coming out. Um, I'll participate in an OTA, a mini camper training camp. Those are like a week apiece. Then we come back into an extensive training again in July. It's like a three-day three-day course, very intense. Um, but it's, I mean, it's it's nonstop. Like pe- people say, football season. No, football season's all year round for me. Mm-hmm. There's there's no, I don't have an off week. I've missed birthdays, weddings, you know, because of it. But it's a commitment that I took. So that's that's super interesting because I I do think that. There maybe is a misconception out there that oh you go and uh, you know you, you go and you, you take a class no. and then you're an official, no. but you know whether you've been officiating for, for for five years or fifty years it's it's a constant process. Yeah, it's it's never ending. I mean, I'm studying, I'm reading at least an hour a day when work, lunch, before I go to bed. I mean, you're never going to know it all, but the more you read and the more you're going to accept the rules and watching videos on our arbiter for CFO, for TASO, I mean, there's there's no way that you cannot be training 24-7 and reading and studying because there's so much information out there for you. What do you guys think are the most common misconceptions out there about officials? You guys... The, that, that it's our job. <laughs> that you know, you're our just, full, our yeah. full-time job. Yeah. Because... Yeah. So... I'll, I'll just say, speak now if this is your full-time job. Okay, I, I will. I will notice we did not edit that. There were, that was that was silence. Uh, so each. So so you think that people are just like, oh, you know, this is this is what he does for a living, and and, and that's you yeah. think that's one of the biggest misconceptions out there. Yeah, I've, I've had comments like that. You know, doing a uh, middle school game where you know some of the moms will ask, you know, how you know you do this full time. This is your job, and it's like, no, I just. I drove from work. I changed over there in the parking lot and ran out here, you know, 15 minutes before. <laughs> this is true. That is very true. <laughs> and hope nobody saw hope nobody it. Saw it. Well, I go, to the back, I go to the back side of the parking lot behind That's the bus <laughs> somewhere. That's smart. That's smart. I thought I was the only person that did yeah. that. No, so, so it's, it's – it's, um, anyone else, uh, uh, a misconception about your – about this, this line of line – of, Side gigs, if you will. That, that we want one particular team to win is probably one of the biggest um, things that we hear every week. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're in that team's pocket. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you're homering for them, or you're going you're gonna to call it their way every time, or the home team's going to get the call and the visitor teams are not. I mean, it, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... I think, you know, it, as you said earlier, you know, we don't want anybody to know that we're there. And when you can walk away from a game and really feel like no one knew that you were there, you've had a pretty good night. Yeah. The losing team may not think so. The fans may not think so. But, you had a, you know, you were successful. Rod, are you guys – 
What do I want to create? First of all, I I totally agree because I'm I'm in that same way that um, in, in a much different sense. I don't actually care who wins high school football games. I just I just I've, I'm passionate about it in in a, in, a, in a neutral way. But you should see my emails anyway. Um, Rod, are you are you? And I won't ask you to speak for the whole group, but are you hard on yourself? Like there, you're not going to be able to get every single call right. Do you find yourself being hard on yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's the piece of it. You know, it, because yeah, sometimes you miss something. Uh, but the the absolute best thing you can do is not make excuses, not try to cover it up. You know, sometimes during a game, me or, or a member of my crew, we we blew something. And, you know, the best thing you can do is live up to it and be honest about it and know that, hey, coach, yeah, you're correct. This is this is what happened. We should have done that. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that now. But And, and I think coaches appreciate that too. Uh, because they understand that, yeah, they okay. He he understands it, but if you don't if you don't own it and you don't live up to it, you can never fix it and you can never correct it and make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's that's the biggest thing. It's a, you know, sadly it's a learning opportunity and make sure that okay, here's a here's a situation we can never let this happen again. Here's the things we need to do to make sure it doesn't happen. So so you have to you have to take it. Uh, I'll ask. Uh... I want you each to answer this, and don't listen to each other answer this question. I want your own thought. I'll start with you, Bill. What's the most difficult call to make? And I like you're you're, you're playing a high school, you're, you're officiating a high school football game. What's what's the call that you? It could be a certain situation. It could be a certain penalty. What is the most difficult call that you got that you have to make? Uh, well, I'm a referee, so. All I really look at is what's behind the offensive line, but I think in general, um, I think it has to. I think it has to be the targeting mm-hmm. because you. It happens so fast, and it re- sometimes we revert back to what we thought we saw versus what really happened. But in a sense, that's a safety thing, and we want to err on the side of caution. So with, without the ability for replay to come in and fix it, um, you're going with your gut. Mm-hmm. Did he really, you know, was it really a targeting? And you have all these different scenarios that, or different things that qualify a targeting foul. What has to be, was it a, you know, is it all there? And you have to process it that fast. Mm-hmm. And, for me being a referee, when one of the guys on my crew come in and tell me, and, and they've ne- they haven't done this in years, but it used to be they would come in and say, well, I think I had a target. Well, mm-hmm. this isn't a think. Either you do or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so for I think for me it would be that targeting. Was I in the right position? Did I see it? Did I think I see it? Did I think I, that I saw it? Um, Knowing that I'm going to have to, you know, as Rod said, I've got to own it. Mm-hmm. And right or wrong, that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and to a certain extent, and, and I want to give you guys the, um, an, an opportunity to get your – but that is pro- – I mean, that's probably the highest – it's the highest penalty crime. You know what I mean? That you're ejecting a player from the game in, in that instance. Oh, by all means. So it is – so, you know – pardon the phrase but you're playing with live ammo there 
you want that's all the more reason why you have to mm-hmm. be right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make a kid miss the rest of that game because you thought that he lowered his head on a defenseless player mm-hmm. or on a receiver. That uh, he actually hit yeah. him with the shoulder instead of the head. But right. because of where you're standing, it looked like it was the head. So, yeah, you want to be right. Lachelle, what about you? What's the toughest call to make? Besides the targeting, I agree with Bill. It's the unsportsmanlike, the unnecessary after mm-hmm. a great play. That's the hardest one. You want them to celebrate. You want them to have fun. But when it gets just the stupid mm-hmm. stuff, I, I I hate I hate it. But, it, again, it's... It's it's necessary. So it's that's more of like a, you know, I mean, it's all judgment, you know, all judgment calls in certain extents. But like, there's no real rule that this is too much and and this is not, you know, this this is not enough. So it's kind of your own kind of judgment in that way. Yeah, just like you know, after a touchdown, it was a great play, great catch. You know, the extra activity after the like, that's. The fouls that I hate to throw, mm-hmm. but again, they're not allowed. Of course, we understand that. But ju- and the things are as far as um, what is it, the extra celebration before you even get to the touchdown, mm-hmm. um, the the taunting before you get to the, just that stuff bothers me. Just you know, but that's one of the ones that's tough to kind of because it's not part of the run of play either. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Okay. Joel, what about you? Probably what Rod touched on earlier was. Uh, holding you know the, mm-hmm. as a referee you're sitting there looking at it is it does it have an effect does it have an effect i'm not going to throw my flag unless it has an effect on the, on the on the play and then as soon as you throw the flag they'll break loose and then so oh, please don't score please don't score you know, <laughs> 80, 80 yard touchdown or whatever and it's like because like i say we don't want to have an effect but it's there's holding on every play and we could throw a flag on every play if we wanted to but you know that's just not part of it so that so that that is I, I, you know, I want to pin you down on that because I always think that same thing. Is yeah. I'm like, like they're like somebody breaks loose for a run, and immediately my eyes always go back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, is that that's kind of that that goes through y'all's head as well? It's like, oh my gosh, like I hate that this is coming back, but right. there was there was a hold there. Yeah, you know, the majority of the time it's a lineman is getting tackled right there yeah. before you know he he could have made the tackle, uh, but there's a lot of times where. Uh, we have to, you know, be able to think quick enough. You know, that guy's 300 pounds, and he's behind the play. He's mm-hmm. not going to catch him. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, Mr. Defense Coordinator on the other side, yes, he did get held. Yeah. But man, I'm not throwing that tonight. Um, Rod, what about you? Um, you know, I think sometimes blocking below the waist is difficult mm-hmm. because the way the rule is written, and it changes almost every year. Um, and so it, it, it's something that you have to you have to restart every time. But I really I think the hardest call for an official is a snap from the one or two yard line. They hand the ball to running back, and he goes right up the middle, and you got a mass of twenty two people right there, and you're mm-hmm. trying to find a football, especially the two officials that are standing on the sidelines and trying to find it. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard. I think really for officials, that's the hardest call ever because. You've got to find the football. You got to see where it is. Did it get in the end zone before his knee was down? Before this or that? And you know, you see those cuts on TV. A lot of times, you can't even tell. So imagine the two guys on the on the sidelines trying to do that too. I think that's one of the hardest things. So when you guys are watching, because look, 
I hate to spoil this for the listeners, but you guys are all kind of into football. Yeah. You guys are ultimately you are football fans. Pretty much. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're watching a game, are you yelling at the TV, and 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 not necessarily at the players, but at the, at are are you do you find yourself watching the officials in the in the same way that like other people are watching That's, the game? Absolutely. We're, we are our biggest critics. Yeah. Because we see things in a game that nobody else will know that they messed up, mm-hmm. and it's I mean, hey, you're out of position, idiot, get back or. <laughs> You know, how could you not call that pass interference? The guy was molesting me. I mean, <laughs> no, it's we're our biggest critics yeah. on that. I think you can use it, too, as, as kind of a test for yourself also, right? Hmm. So you see it. And, you know, I watch officials more than I, I watch the game, probably more than right. anything. Um, for, for Mainly to try to learn and maybe pick up some tips and see how they did this, how they covered that. But also if something happens, it's kind of a test. You're like, okay, it should be – third and third in this they you know here's the enforcement spot where it should go and then if you if you're not right then you got to go check it out yeah and so i i kind of look at it that way so obviously nfl games and college games now have instant replay the uil this year for the first time going to institute instant replay in the state championship games uh i am really interested to hear what you guys think because, you know, we, we hear all the time, so I'm a big baseball fan, right? And, and then they keep, you know, instant replay was going to kill baseball, right? It was, oh, it's, it's, it's ruining the game. Um, and the, the umpires, of course, were against it. Oh, no, we don't want to be undercut. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think of the UIL instituting um, instant replay in the state championship games. And if you want to let the, the yeah. boss talk before Don, you guys, that's probably, a smart, that's probably a smart move. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'm okay to talk about this. Last year in the championship games, mm-hmm. they UIL, the UIL did a dry run, mm-hmm. uh, and I was a bystander, if you will, or looking in on it in the replay booth for one of the games that that was played that they were running the test on. Uh, the complexity of the way that works – um, I mean, there, there's games that we've had that I would have given everything to have replay there to fix something that we screwed up, mm-hmm. that we messed up. Um, and I think this can be nothing but the best for everybody involved. You're playing for the championship. We've had games where the team that won shouldn't have won because of mistakes that we made. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's hard to swallow at night. You want it to be, you want it to be perfect. Uh, the argument of they've played 15 games to get there and not had replay, and now this one game they're going to have replay, for me that's all the more reason why I want it there because if I've played those 15 games and I've gotten into that championship game, I don't want, you know, I want the teams on the field to play it out and the best team win, and I don't want it to be decided because of a mistake that an official called and we have the ability to correct it. So I'm excited for it. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Um, It's not going to be a big – it's not going to be a big thing for the officials that are on the field because 
the, the UIL is going to use college replay officials to drive that bus. Um, and, and to me, it's no different than working a TV game on a Friday or a Thursday or a Saturday, and you're having to stop for all of the commercials. If you ask a coach, one of the biggest complaints they have when they find out about a live TV game is the amount of downtime. And I've been in those games to where, you know, the coach is looking at you like, can we hurry this up? Can we hurry this up? And it's, coach, we're, you know, we're at their mercy. Yeah, that's our bad. As the media. That's well, us. You guys but, I mean, it's me. the nature of the beast, but, you know, it's given it's given you exposure. Mm-hmm. And why would you not want that? Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Does anybody else want to poke this horn's nest on the, on the instant replay thing? No, I think we all <clears throat> want to, at the end of the day, we want to get it right. <clears throat> and so so don't you don't, you don't, you don't. Let me play a little devil's advocate. You don't have any pride that's that's um, bruised if a call gets overturned. No, I mean we. Uh, I was in a game last year where one of the guys on my crew called a targeting. We you know disqualified the player, and the chain crew said great call. Everybody over there said the great call, and we got the film on uh, Monday, and I took a look at it and first look. Shoulder to shoulder, it wasn't targeting. Mm-hmm. So you know, that would have been great, you know, especially if that would have been in the state championship game. It would have been great to get it right. Yeah, because that's one of the things that, that I think is, is, you know, when we talk about misconceptions, is and, and there's probably a few officials in each, especially professional leagues, who probably do not help with this. But the idea of ego, right? It's that, oh, I made this call because I'm right. You know what I mean? But it sounds like, and, and by all means, tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like when you step onto the, when you put on the stripes, you got to put your ego away because you just, you, you're there to make sure you get it right. Are you talking about Cowboy Joe West? I'm talking about Cowboy Joe West. I'm talking about C.B. Buckner. I'm talking about uh, a few different uh, umpires. Max is nodding his head over here. He knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, and then there was, uh, there was an NBA official and some people who are, you know, uh, TV Teddy, stuff like that. Um, so when you guys put on the stripes, it is ego off all business. You don't, like if, if 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 you get it wrong, you you you're getting it wrong because that's you know, you're not trying to make a scene of it. If we if we get it wrong, yeah. We hope first of all, I hope the other members of my crew get us straightened out. Yeah. Beforehand, I mean that's the, that's the deal. And if you did have it wrong, and and they said, no 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 no, here's what I saw. Here's what here's what I saw. Maybe you didn't have the complete view or something. Then you want to get it right. That's that's the ultimate thing. And and you know what? If I was wrong, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's let's do it right because the worst part is, I was wrong and nobody corrected it. And now we're going to live with that, going on and on and on. And it's 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 a lot more of a team game, right? Than people realize. The, the being an official, it is it. You know, I think I think because you guys are literally physically standing apart from one another. I think it's it's hard to think of you guys as a monolithic team, but in in our conversations, Bill, and in conversations I've had with other officials, the one thing you say, like, you're not talking about one official. You're talking about a crew got a call wrong, or a crew got a call right, or a crew did a great job. We're not talking about so-and-so had a bad had a bad game, or, or a good game. We're talking about the crew writ large. There's a lot of teamwork that goes on in, in what you're doing. There is a lot of teamwork in it. When, when it's just the five of us, you know, if I had a bad game, my guys are going to tell me, you had a bad game. But when we're talking to everybody else, the crew had a bad game because mm-hmm. we're a unit of one. Mm-hmm. And you're only as strong as the weakest person mm-hmm. that's on that crew. 
So, you know, if we're out there and one of us is not having the kind of game that we should have, you know, we're going to pick them up. We're going to move on and keep going and, you know, work through it and get better. Uh, But I can speak for all of us. I think we are the hardest critics of ourselves. If I go out and work a game and I make a mistake and I had the chance to correct it and I didn't, or worse, none of us knew that we were making a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you've got to live with that. Yeah. Uh, we're, it's our inaugural officials roundtable here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation. Hashtag TF Today. Um, Lachelle, if I'm a coach, I have a legitimate complaint about a call that you just made. How do you want me to approach you with that complaint? <laughs> or don't? There's no right way for a coach to approach me. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, this is their job. This is their livelihood. This is their emotions, you know. Um, I've dealt with a few, but um, I don't know. I guess just come with me with the facts of what you see. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. What did you exactly see? Now, if I missed it, I'm going to say, Coach, if, you saw, if that's what you saw, I missed it. But mm-hmm. that's not what I saw. And they can't say anything yeah. after that. Sure. I, I'm acknowledging what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The, the worst thing is to do is to ignore them because mm-hmm. that makes it worse. Just acknowledge them. Say, I'm going to get with you. And whatever they ask for, give it to them. Mm-hmm. I want to know what that play number was. I want to know who did that. What was he saying over there? Or if I want to talk to the referee, okay, I'll give them to you in that timeout. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that's the only way that I can – that's the only way I give, get the respect for them is, you know, acknowledge them. Don't ignore them. Anybody else? How do you how do you deal with a coach? Because um, fans don't have legitimate complaints, but coaches. How do you, how do you deal with a coach who says, "Man, I can't believe you! I can't believe you 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 missed that pass interference call. It was so blatant and obvious." You know, how do you want them? What's the best way for a coach to approach you about a call that he believes you missed? I think I'm always open to a coach asking a question. Mm-hmm. One, I mean, they have questions, and we it's our job to communicate with them and let them know. Um, but with that, a lot of times we get mixed in comments, like, like you were saying there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to, to address the comment um, unless he says, you know, it was holding. And, and you can tell him, no, sir, it wasn't, it wasn't holding. Here's what I saw. Here's what he did. Um, you know, it was pass interference. No, sir, they got their feet tangled up. There wasn't pass interference. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what we saw. So I think you can address those. But just, you know, the, the easiest way is just – be calm. Sometimes they get excited, but if they have a question, I want them to ask a question because we want to. We want to give them the information. Mm-hmm. Are there any? This is a question. I, I I went on Twitter, and we'll get back to Twitter here in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went on Twitter and I asked some questions. I asked some people what you know some questions they had. Uh, longtime listener Robert Powell out in West Texas asks: Are there any rules that you have to enforce because they're in the rule book? That you are like, oh, from a personal perspective, I don't, I don't think that's well thought out, or I don't think that's, um, that's a that's a good rule or anything like that. Is there something like that, or is it, or or, or do you feel like the changes that that are made, you know, are ultimately positive ones that are getting us to a better rule book? Probably one that stands out to me is illegal formation. Oh yeah. I mean, you don't have enough men on the line. Well, who cares? You know, yeah. How does that affect? I mean, I, does it give them an advantage? I don't think so. The defense usually doesn't know 
mm-hmm. you know, whether he's on the line or off the line. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of mine. But it's a rule, so we have to call it. You have to call it no matter what. Anybody else, or is this, or are you guys just all out here saying that the the architects of football are blameless and wonderful? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I'm just it teeing you guys up. If, it depends on if they're listening to this. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't. You have, you have people or coaches that question the validity or the the workings of the safety fouls. You know, mm-hmm. for example, we just went through another change this year for the blocking below the waist, and to. Those of us that have watched it transgress from you could do it anytime, any place, mm-hmm. to now it's very – it's not generic anymore. It's very specific. Um, you know, you, you, have to, you have to adapt and go with that. If you look at – you know, Texas plays NCAA rules, mm-hmm. so we operate under the NCAA rulebook. Uh, the other states use federation. And in Federation, there is no blocking below the waist anytime, any place. So you're hitting them above. Um, and people think that, you know, maybe that's where the NCAA is going with this. I think what, what people don't get is we don't write the rules. Um, we don't make the rules. The NCAA Rules Committee is made up of all college coaches from the Division One level to the Division Three level. And that's where this comes from. And it's, you know, usually if you have a significant rule come into play, it is because something that uh, something happened in the years past specifically relating to that, and now they're able to convince the rules committee that we need to make a rule about it and put it in. Um, With the blocking below the waist, it's... It's hard for some to officiate. Um, this year, the, a lot of the running teams, they're not going to like it because mm-hmm. this is definitely going to affect their their offense. I will tell you I've heard that from coaches. <clears throat> you that, know, I mean, you know. you, now you can't block below the waist more than five yards from the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So if you're a team that likes to run a lot of these jet sweeps to the left or to the right and that wide out, his only job is to go get that corner or that safety. Well, when he goes and gets him, if they're more than five yards from where the ball was snapped, he's got to hit him high. He can't mm-hmm. hit him low. And last year and in years past, you didn't see that. They were always the cut block. So it's uh, challenging. I Just real quick. I sure, think, go I think the one rule that most officials – have the biggest problem with are the uniform rules right oh yeah so oh this well number said. this number does is not contrasting to this why we have to get involved in that is beyond me and so we as officials we wish the schools and the administrators would follow the rules there and if they didn't they had some some way to do it themselves but charging a team a timeout because they ordered these uniforms that don't match is not. And this year we got it with the knees and covering knees, although that is a bit of a safety issue. Yeah. We need to have it. But, but those kind of things make us crazy. So I'll um, accept partial blame for that. As a member of the, of the fake news media, 
you know, it's hard for us to see the numbers. We got to cover this game. That, that was that was the biggest. <laughs> You're right. Complaint. It's us. You're exactly right. It's our. I, I'll fall on the sword. That's my, that's my bad. But well, yeah, I, but I also understand that that puts an extra thing on your plate when your plate is already overflowing. Well, believe it or not, it was. It, I don't know that it was so much the media as it was other coaches. Whenever they're, you know, nobody really goes out in scouts in person anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, those days with technology like it is has really dropped. And so when a coach is sitting in his workroom with his offensive, defensive coordinators, whatever, they're looking at huddle film, and they can't tell the number because the camera's from the press box, you know, shooting down onto the field, and they can just see a player, but they can't see his number. They, you know, they throw fits, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. They're trying to coach their players to what their opponent for the next week is going to do. When you can't read the jersey numbers, what do you do? Yeah. So, Joel, we've kind of danced around your biggest critics, which are the geniuses who sit in the stands. Um, I will admit that I have uh, perhaps raised my voice at a wonderful and talented official in my in my life. Uh, what would you say to fans that about about you know who are upset about a call, who are go out there and they they feel like you're out to get them, or or what in the heck are you doing? What what would you say to fans who I think have all been there? And have all felt like, oh, man, this this guy, it's, 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 he's killing us right now. What would you say to those fans? Well, first of all, I've been that parent in the stands yeah. <laughs> that, that yells at uh, mostly the basketball officials with, when my girls are playing. Uh, and so I understand their level of frustration. But, you know, as has been touched already, I don't care who wins. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I don't even know who's ahead. You know, if it's a close game, I'll have to sometimes look. Um Number two is, hey, you know, if you think it's so easy, why don't you come do it yourself? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, you know, number three is, um, you know, I'm, you probably don't know the rules because, you know, what you're yelling at me about is probably an NFL rule, mm-hmm. which, which doesn't, you know, the high schools and middle schools don't play by. So know that, and even the coaches do that, know that face guarding is not a foul in high school football. Mm-hmm. No matter what you say. I'm going to write that down. Face guarding is not a foul in high school football. <laughs> I need to know this. Uh-huh. Um, okay, somebody mentioned, I think maybe it was Lachelle. I'll, I'll go back to you, um, about watching film post-game. That, that's something that, that I recently learned is about how you guys, your game is not really over when you leave. You're going and you're and you're watching film. What are you when you're when you're watching film of a game that you just called? What are you What are you looking for? Um, things. I'll go to the time timestamp. Like oh, third mm-hmm. quarter, fourth quarter, third quarter, two minutes left. Let me write that down. I want to see if I missed that. If that was a hold. Mm-hmm. Um, just critiquing myself, especially if it was a big blow up. What do, if we missed something? Um, I go over all my my things that I think I missed or I did good on on just to, for myself. But then as a crew, we all go over all the things that, as a crew, that we could have done better. Mm-hmm. And it's not really over until you get your grades. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So take somebody, field this. I don't know who would be best. The, the grades thing is something that was foreign to me, too. But you guys get a grade for every game that you call, yes? Is this, is this true? 
or many games that you call, some games that you call, at, never? Am at, I crazy? At the high school level, in our chapter, mm-hmm. no, we don't, we, don't, we don't have the manpower to evaluate Got every it. single crew for every game. Now, we do have observers mm-hmm. that, that go to select games, and uh, this year we're going to be doing a lot more of that observing through video. Um, but we don't, we don't at the high school level assess grades. Now, at the college level, they do. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that they're that they're able to do. But, Got it. But it does go kind of what Joel uh, talked about earlier about here's what we do on Friday, but what folks don't realize is it starts on Monday. We have a, a, a chapter meeting Monday night. We watch film during the week. We send it to the crew. We meet. So it's really kind of a all day all day piece getting up to that game time. And we do have the coaches' evaluations mm-hmm. through the UIL website uh, where they give their feedback uh, and you can always tell why are you making the the why are you making the the air quotes when you say feedback that's uh because i'm fixing to qualify (laughs) and any coaches that are listening will know that i'm telling the truth you can always tell when they write it when they write that evaluation if they wrote it two minutes after the game was over Mm -hmm. Or if they spent time Saturday looking at film and then wrote it, you can tell by the substance of the evaluation and 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 how they graded out the crew. And it's by a letter grade. Um, and those come; those are handy. Mm-hmm. You know, those are handy. In, D- in Dallas, we send out a survey to the coaches and ask them to grade the crew overall, A, B, C, D, or F, and then uh, each official, and then have room for comments. Uh, and like you say, you know, we've had sometimes coaches will, you know, that we'll get that email at 1230, mm-hmm. it, you know, after midnight, and then you see them again two weeks later, and, uh, oh, by the way, I was I was wrong on that. You know, you, y'all did make a good call. That was, you know, you have coaches that will come back like that sometime. That's interesting. Okay, We've talked a lot, and I think that it's it's a natural conversation to talk about bad calls, right? When you make a call and you feel good about it, and then you go back and you watch on film and it was right, is there a little fist pump that goes on? Is there a little bit of celebration like, yeah, got it, I knew I got it? Is there like a like a like a moment of like, yeah, I nailed that one? Or you I know, a lot so. of times it's, it's relief, maybe. Oh, that's Sometimes. interesting too. Yeah. yeah. But, it's, more, it's more relief than yeah, it's like, than joy. You know, look at me, you know, when you talk to the guys later, you know, I, I nailed that one. Yeah. That's interesting because I feel like I would be so obnoxious as an official. I'd be like, yeah, got it. Um, all right, let's talk about Twitter. Let's talk about social media. We're all connected now more, more so than ever. Uh, everyone has a voice, and that's awesome, and it's also terrible. Um, I mean, we have an Internet show. Who would ever give us that? Um, but, you know, Bill, you were talking about something earlier about how you guys have to be careful about what you're doing on social media. You guys have a, a, have a social media policy we of your a, own. We have a social media policy that is very um, explicit, if you will. I mean, it, it lays out the guidelines of what is and what isn't acceptable behavior um, at a time when... I'll just use an example when Facebook, you know, Facebook has taken off and gotten really popular. And you have officials that are friends with coaches on Facebook. And that's fine and dandy. But, you know, as someone told me, there's only two reasons that you're friends with the coach on Facebook. 
Either you're trying to get in front of them to work a game or you're really a good friend of them. And if you're really a good friend of them, you don't need to be working their games anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to get in front of them to work a game and that's why you're friends with them, it's, you know, it, it creates that, that uh, conflict there. So, you know, we, we tell our we, – we preach. We don't tell. We preach to the officials, you know, that because every place you go, everybody has a phone. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a camera. And, you know, pictures tell a thousand words. And so if you're friends with a coach, you're not going to work his game. Um, if your kid goes to that school, you don't need to be working that game. Well, my kid doesn't play football. He's just a student at that school. It doesn't matter. The perception or the appearance there is if that team wins and you work the game, you gave them that unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, we don't we don't want them posting on Facebook or on Twitter, hey, I'm working at, you know, McKinney this weekend. Or, hey, I've got the Plano, Plano West game this weekend. People don't pay to come see us work a game, so we don't need to advertise. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we don't want to be seen while we're at those games. So, you know, one of the reasons that um, we had, you know, I, I wanted to have this, this roundtable is because, and, and, and we've, we've mentioned on the show and we've talked about it a, a number of times in a lot of different avenues, is that there is a, I don't know if crisis is too, long, too, too strong of a word, but there is definitely an official shortage in this state. And I have I've I've called it the most pressing threat to high school football in the state, more so than safety, more so than anything like that. I think that not having officials and, and an official shortage is 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 uh, is is absolutely pressing. Uh, Robert Powell asked, you know, how dire is the need for officials, and is it uniform across the state, or are there particular pockets where it's it's worse than others? It's uniform across the state. Um, We've already seen uh, some games. You know, the season opens up a week from tonight. Oh, my gosh, that's right. And we've already seen games where chapters have asked the two schools involved to move from Friday to either a Thursday or a Saturday. And one or both schools couldn't for whatever reason which is their choice and so that chapter's not able to cover that game so they're having to farm it out they're having to get another chapter from another area to come in and work the game and for this first week we've already seen that you know probably a dozen or so different locations throughout the state um you know our numbers there's kind of a misconception about it. We do have a shortage of officials, although our numbers go up a little each year, you know, several percentage points. But it's due to the fact of the number of schools that are opening all across the state. And I'm not talking just in football. I'm talking basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball. Every school, every high school that opens up, you know, you're looking at at least 30 to 40 officials that you need just for that school so then multiply that how many high schools open up a year in texas i don't know but even if you opened up a dozen well do the math you know and it's easy really it's really fast that we're getting behind the curve here that we just can't keep up with it Uh, in in our group when you have more officials over the age of 60 
that are under 30, we've, we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and for those of us that have been doing it for a while that are, you know, you think about when my time comes, who's going to take my place? Mm-hmm. So if I haven't gone and found someone to step in, a youngster to come in and take my place, then nobody's going to do it. So why do you think there is a shortage? I think I think there's a lot of reasons to it. I think I think nowadays back from when I started, there are a lot more opportunities and a lot more cool things to do now than there were back 30 years ago when you start. And so for for a young guy, someone younger that's that wants to get started, I think part of it they don't understand really what all goes into it. Um, and I think that's a that's a pretty steep learning curve, um, but but getting the, getting them involved and helping them fit in and, and feel that they're they're part of the group. I think that's a challenge that we have that that we can probably do better. We need mm-hmm. to do better at. And those guys that are there, you know, for their first year, making sure they they want to come back, have, letting them have an experience so that they want to come back the second year, because they come in. You know, two years, three years, then they're, the chance that they're going to hang around for a long time is good. We've got uh, and they're going to and they're going to be a better official. But but that 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 first year is so critical, important, and and that's the challenge is getting those folks that come in that year uh, to stay. And when they do that, that first year, and they're getting yelled at by the fans, mm-hmm. or they're getting a coach on the sideline who is just going up one side and down the other. You know, a, a junior high coach who this is his first year to coach, and this is this official's first year. Well, you know, you've already got some animosity there going on. Um, it's it's the retention. If we can retain those after the first year and keep them second year and then their third year, we kind of got our hooks into them, mm-hmm. if you will, to keep them. All right, I want to close with this. Um, to that same point. Um, look, there's a lot of people who see officials and they're saying, oh, cool, there's the punching bag for the evening, right? Um, and you guys don't get rich doing this. We mentioned that. There's a lot of reasons to not be an official. Lachelle, sell me on being an official. Why do I want to be an official? Because it seems like, if I may play devil's advocate here for a moment, seems like there's a lot of downside not a ton of upside well i'm a football junkie like i was telling mm-hmm. you i've been watching football since i was seven and i get the drilling and the high of having the best seat on the field mm-hmm. i am on the sideline i see everything and that's the drill in each play i'm not the person that's saying oh i don't want that play to come no i want the play i want that mm-hmm. sideline i want to nail it and your drilling is going and you nail it it's the it's a great high for me, and that's mm-hmm. what—that's why I love officiating. Yeah, and it, the kids. Yeah, as well. I mean, I think the kids are more respective of me, and they're—they're—they're they're, they're great. So, I mean, that's why I do it. Because um, it's—you know—I've—I've I've tweeted this before. I've said it before that I think everybody wants to work in sports. I think it's fun. I think I think there's there's a lot of people who are like I like sports. Why don't I? Why don't I get paid to to do it? I've said over and over. Here is a place you can work in sports. They will train you. They will hire you. They need you, and it's it's available to you. And and to me, that's that's a very um, that's that's very appealing. Um, 
And so, uh, Joel, I, I do want to uh, – we have one last question, um, and it comes from Randy Jackson of uh, 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 of where's he at now? North Forney, North Forney High School. Used to be at Grapevine. North Forney High School. Um, his question is, uh, and I want to ask you since you're the president of the Dallas chapter, um, is it true that carrots improve eyesight? <laughs> uh, I've heard that. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, I have to have glasses to read, and so you know, I got it to a point mm-hmm. where I couldn't read what I was writing down. So. Uh, I had wore my glasses out on the coach's pregame, and it was with Kevin Rush at Forney. He goes, well, I'm glad you finally realized that you needed glasses. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's a good point. He does well, – I, 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 should, I should be clear about the tweet that he sent uh, because I don't, wanna, I, I don't want him up my, up my rear end too. Do they, know, do, do, uh, do they know that carrots help vision? Kidding, guys. I'm a big fan of uh, Dallas football officials. Let, so. him, let him know they haven't helped me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> it is Bill Theodore, Joel Williams, Rod McLean, and Lachelle Nelson. Guys, thank you so much for coming in and spending a little bit of your time with us and, and, and enlightening uh, us to a, a, a part of the game that I think a lot of people take for granted. Thank you guys very much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We really appreciate it. That is going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day uh, with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com for Max, who's over there twisting and tweaking. And for everybody around this table, thank you. We will see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.